Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. I do want to welcome those of you that are watching online. Perhaps you're listening on our podcast. Hope Covenant, would you put your hands together for our online listeners and viewers? So good to have you with us this morning. We say it every week. If you're ever in the Charlotte area, we want to encourage you to stop by and we'll make you feel right at home. Won't we, Hope Covenant? The Life of Jesus, Part 5. This is the power of the cross. Now, I want to go off the notes uh, before we dig into this. I want to pray and I want to welcome the presence of the Lord because I have to tell you that I had an encounter with God and I have been this whole series, but this week was really amazing as I was looking at the power of the cross. There was so much revelation that came to me for today, not just about what happened then, but what happened then that applies to the right now. And, uh, and so uh, I want to pray that we would each, whether you're listening on the podcast or you're here this morning, I know we've got some folks that are out that aren't feeling well and, and some folks that are dealing with some situations. And I do want to pray um, that, that you would all find an encounter with God, that we would get beyond our earthly situations and our earthly happenings and get into a place of eternal value and eternal focus that we would see the big picture of what God's trying to do in this hour. So, Father, we just thank you right now. We press into you. We press into your presence. We just did that during worship. And I thank you, God, that as we look to your word, that you would speak your... It says in scripture, Father, that your your word will not return void. It will not return empty. But that there's power and there's life in it that would change us, that we would never be the same. And so, Father, I thank you that we would not just hear words or read words on a page, but that we would truly encounter your power because your word is like a double-edged sword. It's even sharper than that. And so I thank you, Lord, that you would cut through and penetrate right to our hearts. If you believe that, would you shout amen? amen. So we're in this series, The Life of Jesus. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time recapping, but I do want to go through the week. This is the last week that we're focusing on, the Passion Week, we call it, of Jesus' life before he went to the cross. And uh, we have Sunday, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We know this is Palm Sunday, which, by the way, today is Palm Sunday. So happy Palm Sunday to all of you. Then Monday, we focused on Jesus clearing the temple, and man, that was a powerful message. Tuesday, Jesus taught on the Mount of Olives. Wednesday, this was last week, Jesus rested in Bethany, and there's not a whole lot of scripture that supported that, so we coupled it with Thursday, which was the Last Supper. We're going to focus today on Friday, which is the crucifixion, and then next week, we're going to do Jesus in the grave, and then focus right in on the resurrection, which is Resurrection Sunday. I cannot believe that next week is Easter Sunday. It's like, where is this year going? And how many of you are ready to just declare summer weather in the name of Jesus and done with the up and down? So, Father, we just declare a great week in Charlotte in Jesus' name. And if you're not from Charlotte, uh, sorry about you. Anyway... So that's our recap. There's a lot of scripture that supports this last week in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But let's look today uh, on Friday, the crucifixion where Jesus died on the cross. And I want to say this. I know Liz and I have entered into this year. This was very personal for us. And and I'm sure this is for other people in the room as well, that you may have lost someone close, a relative. The last words of Jesus in, in the last week 
that he gave to his disciples and that he spoke in general on that last week. It was more than just his disciples. Of course, everybody that wanted to be a disciple. Um, but he did speak to the 12. William Shakespeare says this, that the tongues of dying men enforce attention like deep harmony. In other words, when a dying person speaks, we really should listen. So we're on day five, commonly known as Good Friday. And this was a day of great pain and struggling and and just remember, though, that Sunday is just a, a couple of days away here. And uh, I, I know as we look at this, we're looking at, at kind of a, a really rough moment that we call Good Friday. And it's like, why would we call it Good Friday when it was really such a bad Friday in its description? But how many of you know that the results of that bad Friday led to a really good Friday for eternity? Can I get a witness? Can somebody just give God a, a clap and a shout of praise? Because, I mean, Jesus died for each of us. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what took place. And I want to say this even for some of you that are going through some really, maybe it looks glim right now. Maybe it looks challenging right now. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe it's a dark hour in your life. Maybe you're not understanding the moment. But I want to encourage you today that if you came and that's your situation, that Sunday is right around the corner. The power of God, he moves and he, and he has a way where we understand, not in the moment. You know, it's the, the folks that were watching Jesus dying on the cross. It even says, and we're going to look at scripture today, where the disciples, they, they all didn't really understand, even though it was even explained to them, they didn't understand what was going on in the moment. How many of you have ever experienced tribulation or you've experienced a, a, a crushing or, or, or the squeeze of, of, of what you're going through. There's a tight tension in the moment, and you don't understand what you're going through. But God in the background is orchestrating things, and then later you go, oh, aha. You get that aha moment of what God was doing in that whole moment. Yeah. I want to focus on that. Let's look to Luke 18, verses 31 to 34, and I'm praying that you would have that aha moment as it applies to your situation or your circumstances, and that you would see the parallel of what Jesus did and why he went to the cross for us. Luke 18, verse 31, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come. That Jesus is obviously talking about himself going to the cross. He will be handed over to the Romans and he will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. They will flog him and whip him and kill him, but on the third day he will rise again. Now, there's a promise there that's given. On the third day he will rise again. And I want to communicate to you that the promises of God do not change in the middle of our circumstances. When times are tough, how many of you know God's still good? When times don't make sense, God is still good. When we're trying, to, when we're freaking out and stepping out in faith in a situation, God is still good and he is faithful and he will meet us. Verse 34, but they didn't understand any of this right there. Boom. There it is. We made it legal. The significance of his words was hidden from them. It's funny how many things are hidden to us in the moment that we're walking in, that we're not seeing what God is orchestrating yeah. and doing, and the divine purposes that are behind the moment, that we're screaming and going, no, and God's going, no, 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 I got this. Trust me, there's a process, and I've got this. The significance of his words was hidden from them, and they failed to grasp what he was talking about. I've been thinking all week about 
all Jesus said and, and about the end times. And it feels like the significance of the warnings and the signs of the times that Jesus referred to. We went over them a lot last week. It seems like they're almost hidden from the average Christian that's walking, that's not understanding what's going on. We've got Russia right now invading Ukraine. We've got China kind of figuring out what they want to do with Taiwan. And China's talking with Russia. And there's a whole lot of significance to the day and the hour that we're living in right now and if you're not awake to that pay attention I believe the Antichrist is on the rise but I also believe that we hold the victory and I know we do because scripture says it and it ends well you do not have to be worried be a fearless church in this moment you were ordained for this hour this was not a mistake so today I want to take a look at four things that took place that turned this terrible Friday where Jesus died into what I'm going to call not just a good Friday, but an amazing Friday. So here are four significant moments that happened during Good Friday. And again, we're going to take a look at how this applies even today. Number one was Jesus encountered the trial. And I know that some of you are in here, and even if it doesn't look maybe really, 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 really dark at the moment, and maybe it does, I don't know, but you may feel like you're in the middle of a trial that you're trusting God for something and you're like, I, I feel like I, somebody just took the training wheels off my bike and I'm a little wobbly in my faith at the moment. And I want to encourage you with that because God has a way of stabling, uh, stabilizing us when we keep our eyes on him. I remember when I was taught to ride a bike as a kid, I kept looking all around me and I wasn't focusing on in front of me. And my bike was wobbly until I focused on in front of me and forgot about the motions and the technicalities of what I was doing. And I remember that kind of psyched out moment where, where dad would let his hand off the seat and let me ride. He was letting me, it was, he was letting me learn. It was a learning technique. And, you know, I'd turn back and then I'd fall. Anybody, anybody ever remember that moment? But that was a part of the learning technique. And the, the scrapes and, and the cuts and the bruises, they were all part of shaping me to learn how to keep my eyes on the road and ride. And that's what I believe God is doing for many of you this morning. It's important to know Jesus encountered the trial. And well, I want to go over what was going on in this moment. He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was betrayed by Judas. He was arrested and taken to the high priest where he goes through six trials. Three of them were religious and three of them were according to the law. But all of the trial and what Jesus was going through was actually illegal. They were accusing Jesus but couldn't find anything that he did wrong. I mean, they went over all this stuff. You probably remember this. and They couldn't legitimately convict Jesus of anything. Jesus' accusers were literally making stuff up and coming after him with, with like this, this fabricated stories and, and, and I see this, this, this in the modern day cancel culture of what happens to Jesus. I, I see that happening today. It's, I've gone through things even myself where I've been accused of things. And I want to tell you this. If you're going to walk upright and you're going to keep your eyes on Jesus, the enemy is going to try to hit you with every attack he can. He'll hit you with false accusations. He'll hit you with fear. He'll hit you with any kind of resistance he possibly can to keep you off of you keeping your eyes in front of you so that you can ride without falling. Matthew 26, verse 59 to 68, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus that they could put him to death. 
And I, I want to I tell you, I believe this is hitting Christians left and right right now. Where there's all these false accusations that are coming against. And I'm seeing some of it happen even with pastors right now. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. And, and I love this. They didn't find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Why was that? Because I don't know about y'all, but my Savior's clean. That's right. And that's what they found. That's Finally, two came forward and declared, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is the testimony that these men are bringing against you? Check this out. But Jesus remained silent. There was such power in Jesus' silence in that moment. There was such power in him just standing. He didn't have to say a word. There was more power in his silence than in his words. And I was learning from this as I was reading it, that there are times, guys, where rather than defending ourselves and rather than talking, it is so much better. It screams such volumes and authority when we just remain silent and stand in the moment. And I want to encourage you, no matter what's coming against you, to just stand and remain silent and understand that the battle is the Lord's and it's already won. That's a good word. So Jesus remained silent, and then the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And I love his response right here. Well, guess what? You just said it. Jesus replied. But I say to you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Almighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Man, he screamed his authority right there. In other words, Look, in this moment, it might look like this, but check it out. This is what's happening in eternity. And that's what's going on right now in society. We don't understand a lot of what's going on. As we're pumping our cars with gas and watching, the, I don't know how many of you are watching the prices, and you're like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, wow. And that's just one challenge that we're hit with. And I understand that's not a, a matter of life and death, but it's something that we're dealing with right now. When I look at the news and I see what's going on in Ukraine and I see the church in Ukraine, those precious people who are there. I see. I saw a video yesterday of a lady that was playing a grand piano in an apartment that was just blown up and there was nothing around her. And it, it moved me to tears as I'm looking at the strength. It's amazing to me that the church is so strong when we come under tribulation and trial. And I wonder if God is not squeezing us in this moment, not that God is necessarily creating the circumstances, but he works all things together for the good according to those that love him. I wonder how he's using this situation to get our attention in the moment and how many of us are really responding to it. I want to say this, if you're watching online, you know, not trying to rebuke anybody, but if you could have been here this morning, it's, it screams volumes when you're in this room and, and when you come to church and you're committed, and I want to encourage you, church, to do that. I want to encourage you with the commitment, and I understand I'm preaching to the choir, but there's, there's something that God's watching right now about faithfulness. There's something about commitment that screams volumes to God, and it does matter. So then the... After Jesus said all of this, the, the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit on his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him. Others said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you. In other words, they mocked Jesus. There was a mocking spirit against him. 
Thank God that Jesus endured all of this, that he endured the trial so that we could be free. Number two, four significant moments that happened during Good Friday, Jesus endured the crucifixion. Jesus was stripped, he was whipped, he was crowned with thorns, he was crucified. Many of you have seen The Passion of the Christ. I would encourage you to watch it, just to give yourself a refresher. It's very difficult to watch what Jesus went through as he was whipped and as the flesh was tearing off of him. And he did that out of love for each of us. He was punished, and it was not just about punishment, though. It was about humiliation. He was humiliated, and he was punished, and he did that for us so that we wouldn't have to go through it. Prophet Isaiah saw this 800 years before it happened and prophesied and actually told the meaning behind all of this in Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, everybody say, we are healed. We are healed. Now, I want to explain this because many of you have probably asked yourselves the same question that we've asked us. Well, if we are healed, how come my relative ended up passing away with this or that? How many of you know that to be absent from the body is present with the Lord? They got their healing. See, we don't understand these things. We've got big questions, but I do understand that when scripture states these facts, it is how it says it is. And I do trust the Lord. This is a graphic picture of Jesus dying on the cross, but there were amazing results. And the crucifixion qualified Jesus. Now, I want to say this this morning. How many of you are feeling like you're going through a crucifixion of your flesh in a certain situation? You're uncomfortable. You feel the squeeze. You're not understanding it. Can I tell you, as you're willing to submit to that for kingdom purposes, that crucifixion of your flesh will qualify you. As you're willing to walk through what God allows you to walk through, as you're willing to endure, just as Christ did. See, we don't have to go to the cross because Jesus already did it. But I can tell you, you don't have to, but your flesh does. Your will does have to go to the cross. Because your will going to the cross is what makes him Lord and not just Savior. See, we're so big on this Savior, but the Lordship, and I talk about it all the time, submitting to his authority, submitting to his will, submitting to his way means that my flesh goes to the cross. And that is what qualifies me, that I'm walking in obedience, which is far better than sacrifice. So the next time your flesh is being crucified and you're going through a trial or what feels like crucifixion, you may want to just tell yourself, I'm going through my flesh being crucified so that I can come out qualified. And encourage yourself in that moment. The third thing, Jesus experienced death. And death is the final blow. I love this definition of death. It's the final blow of hurt and pain. Because once we're absent from the body. We're present with the Lord. I mean, I can't wait. I had, with the weather going up and down this week, I, I get headaches really bad when weather barometric pressure changes. And even just taking Excedrin this week, I went, I am so thankful, Lord, that I'm going to sit with you at the right hand of the Father, and I will never need Excedrin again. Excedrin in Advil is not accessible in heaven because it's not needed. Can I get an amen? amen. We are not going to need it. Some people think that the cross killed Jesus, but, you know, it actually didn't kill Jesus. Check this out. It might have been what physically killed him, but check this out. Jesus said in John 10, 18, 
no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. In other words, it was Jesus' will to do this voluntarily, to die for us. It wasn't the cross that killed him. It was his will that allowed him to go to the cross because he could have said, no, I'm not doing that. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. If you haven't felt love lately, you need to contemplate that verse of what Jesus did. Tears were streaming down my face. I'm fighting it right now. As I think about Jesus going to the cross with me on his mind in that moment. Each of us individually, you were on his mind in that moment. He did it for you. If it wasn't for the cross that killed Jesus, it was his will. I'm sorry, it, it wasn't the cross that killed Jesus. It was his will that he would voluntarily die for each of us. And number four, Jesus entered the tomb. And I love this because the tomb is where the miracle took place. Some of you need to allow God to walk you through the process of the death, the burial, and then let God resurrect. Let me explain to you what I mean. For years, I'll give you an example of my life. My comfort zone is worship. I love leading worship. I'm comfortable in it. As a pastor, I'm stepping out in these things because God called me to do it. And I love it. And I'm getting more comfortable with it. I'm, I'm enjoying the process. I love loving on you guys. I love doing more than just that. I, I love that. I love how God is stretching me as a person. But as you're walking through this moment, I've got to tell you, I had to go through the death of what I thought it should be. I had to bury that thing and then let God resurrect it and tell me exactly what he wanted and how he wanted it. In other words, it was a submission and a dying of my will and submitting to his will that he would tell me what he wants to do. Now, I can tell you this. This church in its beginning stages has brought me more joy than anything I've ever done in the history of my career. Why is that? Because when you're in the moment that God destined for you, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's amazing how God kisses it with joy in the moment from the obedience that you were willing to give. And that's what's happening for many of you. I can see it prophetically. That God is going to just absolutely lather you in joy as you submit and don't understand the moment right now and go, I'm just walking by faith, knowing that I am victorious and that this ends well. And I'm trusting you, Lord, to meet me along the way. Tomb is where the miracle took place. So when you feel like you're at the end and it's dead, it's amazing how God will resurrect some things. Now, I want to step out prophetically and tell you that some of you have laid down some things that you thought were for, uh, they were, they were, they're gone, they're way in the past. And God is going to resurrect some things and do it even better than what he did in the past. So things that you thought might have been over, God might bring you back to some things. There might be a resurrection of some things that are going to lead to sincere prosperity. And I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking about you prosperity. When we talk about prosper, that you would flourish in the will of God for your life. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 and 55. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Is anybody excited about that? Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Man, we've sing songs about this. In other words, 
It doesn't have power. The significance of the tomb, when it seems like it's over, there's still hope. And I believe that's the anointing that's on this church, which is why we named it Hope Covenant. That in covenant relationship, agreement with Jesus, that we're going to do things his way, that we have a hope in him, that he will open doors and open opportunities that we could not open. And and thank God we we don't want to open it because when he does it, it's so much better. I hope you're excited about that this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross that we might have hope. On the cross, Jesus stated, it's finished. In other words, enough. It's over. It's finished. It's finished. It's done. Some of you need to tell yourself as you're experiencing a tragedy or you're experiencing a trial, you know what? Hold on. I understand it looks like this, but it's finished. I have the victory. And encourage yourself in the Lord. That's scriptural. Hebrews 12, verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Listen, when you're stepping out in in faith and you go, listen, I'm just trusting you, God, but you know I'm in a mood at this moment, just trust the Lord. He's going to perfect your faith. He's going to kiss it. He's going to bless it. He's going to show you where he came and undergirded. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Can we give God a shout of praise for that? That's so good. I want to say this, though. Why are we acting like such spiritual babies in today's culture and have no coping ability with things that are going on in our lives or things that are going on in culture? I believe that the reason why there's a generation, and I'm talking about anybody living and breathing, and it's getting, it seems like, worse as the generations are are getting younger and younger, where our ability to cope with life doesn't exist. And I believe that the answer and the reason why is because we've lost sight of the cross and what Jesus did, and he endured. Because if Jesus can endure the cross, man, I can endure what I'm going through today. And if you focus on what Jesus went through, you will not feel so bad for yourself. Naked, humiliated, dying on a cross. Man, that'll help you cope right there with my minute little problem. The minutia that I'm dealing with. If I look at this from an eternal perspective. And I'm looking at a generation that really struggles with the ability to cope. Depression meds are on the rise. Drugs are on the rise. Alcoholism is on the rise. We've got to learn how to cope. And the only way we're going to do it is by keeping our eyes on the eternal value and what Jesus did for us on the cross. Perhaps we've gotten our eyes off of the work that Jesus did on the cross and the suffering that he endured. When you neglect to remember the work Jesus did on the cross, you end up living self-centered, lukewarm, casual lifestyles of sin and have a generation with an inability to cope in day-to-day life. The only way we're going to see an awakening in this generation is by going back to the work that Jesus did on the cross. The cross wakes us up from spiritual sleepiness and lack of conviction. The cross wakes us up to the reality of Jesus and his power. The cross eliminates the issue of entitlement that is so prevalent in our generation. Man, we just think we, we, we're like, we deserve this. How many of you know we don't deserve anything? Thank God that he went to the cross for me because I don't deserve. I don't deserve anything. It's by his grace. It's not by my merit. And I'm so thankful for that. The cross humbles us. 
The cross creates an attitude of gratitude. And the cross establishes a culture of pure worship. Liz and I were talking about the culture of, of, of secular music that's entered into the worship industry. And, and even the, the word worship industry is a conflict of interest for me. But when I look at who's really living it, when I look at who's really on fire, and I'm not judging anybody, but the Bible says, by their fruit, you'll know them. And I'm looking at the lifestyle of so many people that are leading the worship culture right now. And I'm going, where are the Levites? We need the Levites back that understand holiness is a lifestyle we must live if we want to be a true worshiper of Jesus. And worship is a lifestyle. It's not a song. So we need to examine the culture of holiness that we're living. The answer to all of our problems is to go to the cross and remember that he died so that we can spend eternity with Jesus. Because of the cross, we have an assurance here on earth that if we accept the gift of Jesus and the work he did on the cross, we can endure till the end and have an eternal guarantee that was provided at the cross. And I thank you, Jesus, for the work that you did on the cross and your willingness to endure. And with the music playing in the background, they just want to bow our heads and bow our hearts this morning. And, and Father, I want to ask you to convict each of us. Lord, in our, our mediocrity and our forgetfulness of what you endured, Jesus, on the cross. Father, as we focus in on that and as we commune with you, as we fellowship with you this morning, I want to ask you for your forgiveness, for keeping our eyes off of the eternal and onto the temporal. And Father, I want to thank you for restoring the eternal value and perspective in each of us. And Lord, we repent even for our complaining and murmuring and whining about what it is that you're setting up in the first place, what it is that you're orchestrating in the first place. And I prophesy over every person here that we're walking into where our yoke is easy and our burden is light and where we experience your presence and you're moving things forward, not us and in our own strength. And I speak freedom over every person here that's been striving in your own strength. Freedom from that. Father, we thank you that you went to the cross, that we don't have to strive anymore. Your grace is sufficient for me, and it's sufficient for all of us in this room and listening on the podcast and watching online. Jesus, I thank you for your conviction this morning. That we would let go and let you do what you want to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for that. There's someone that's watching online this morning, and, and you've, been so, um, you've been so surrounded by your own sin that you felt like there's no way you can get back on track. And I want to encourage you this morning that all you need to do is repent and ask the Lord to come in and cleanse you. Ask him if you haven't asked him into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to encourage you to do that. If you need to recommit your life to Jesus, just say, Jesus, I give up and I let you, Lord, come back, wash me, cleanse me of the things that I've done that have disappointed you. And I thank you, Lord, that you're not disappointed in me, but by my repentance, you would forgive and wash me of all of it. I thank you, Lord, that as we repent, that you would wash us this morning, Jesus. Wash us of our self-centeredness. Wash us of our our constantly focusing on me, me, me. And I ask you, Lord, to give us eternal perspective. Lord, that we would reach others with the power and the love that you've given us. Let us reach others with that same love, Jesus. 
I thank you, God, that the cross wakes us up. I thank you that the cross eliminates the issue of entitlement. It humbles us. It creates an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude. And Father, I thank you for a purity of worship. I want to just do this. I want to ask every person that's here just to stand to your feet this morning. Guys, just bump that music up just a little bit. And can we just lift our hands to the Lord and just a moment between you and God this morning. Say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness this morning. Can we just thank God for his goodness? Thank him for for his faithfulness, that he went to the cross for each of us, that he loved us and he saw us even before we were. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. And I just see the Lord breaking down obstacles as you trust in him. And I break anxiety, and I break depression, and I break a heavy-heartedness. I break sleepiness and slumber off of every person in this room. And I thank you, God, for an awakening to the reality of who you are, a spiritual awakening, Father. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I can tell you this. We're stepping into some things in this day and this hour that are supernatural moments where you don't have to strive anymore. I want every person in here to go like this and dust the striving off of your shoulders. You don't have to strive anymore. God's doing it. God's doing it. God's doing it. And I want to encourage you. I want to read this again. The significance of the tomb, when it seems like it's over, there's still hope. Everybody say, there's still hope. There's still hope. Say it again. There's still hope. you're watching online i don't care where you are in your house say there's still hope hope. yeah there's still hope guys can we give god a shout of praise this morning if you enjoyed today's message i want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of jesus across the world god bless you and have an awesome week